Do you feel like you have like a philosophy for life, like an approach towards life? Mm, I think when I was younger, I, I, <laughs> I'd like to believe that I did. <laughs> like I watched Avatar, the James Cameron movie. Okay. And was like, yeah, one with earth man <laughs> like we're all connected and i guess i still believe that in sort of a, a lesser way i just don't think about it as much so like i guess you know the whole idea that we're all connected in maybe like a a metaphysical way but is that what you're asking <laughs> i guess i'm i'm more thinking about like what do you feel like guides your choices in life like i was thinking oh, sure I'm, I'm coming to a place right now where i'm very like not as focused on long-term goals, but more on like short and medium-term goals of like, gotcha, how do gotcha, I get gotcha. to happiness like yeah. soon? I mean, yeah. judging from the fact that at any point in time, my immediate goal is ice cream at the end of the week. Say, <laughs> <laughs> so your immediate goal is usually ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I would have happen to have a similar philosophy as you. Right yes, because you like, do usually succeed on that goal. <laughs> I, I do. I, it's been a very successful philosophy. <laughs> Welcome to Butter No Parsnips. Every week on Butter No Parsnips, your hosts Emily Moyers and Kyle Imperator take you on an adventure through the weird, wacky, wonderful, and sometimes even wicked world of one wayside word. Strange characters, delightful bits, and general joyousness abound. Join them as they test each other's etymological expertise. Welcome, everybody. I'm Kyle. I'm Emily, and you're listening to Butter No Parsnips. Yeah, just a different tune than the theme song we already have. <laughs> that's our ice cream, but uh, our parsnip ice cream music. That's that's when the parsnip ice cream truck comes by. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Kyle. I yes, I've got a word just right on the tip of my tongue here. Oh, I hope it's the one that this episode's going to be about, and not <laughs> a pejorative name for me. <laughs> No, this time it's not an insult. It is oh, okay. a word that we're going to talk about. I'm so excited. Please tell me what it is. All right, Kyle. The word is aporia. A-P-O-R-I-A. Okay. So right off the bat, this is that Zendaya show. <laughs> <laughs> you get it? Yeah, they renamed it from Euphoria. Aporia. So, judging from the IA ending, the RIA ending, is it like the state of something? Like the state of being something? It's not exactly a state of being, no. It is a noun, I'll tell you that. Is this something that can be applied to humankind? It can be. But maybe more in a metaphorical sense. It's it's tough to pin down. You don't have a definition for this, do you? You're just... No. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I don't quite know. <laughs> no, but the definition... There are there are multiple definitions. Okay. I'll tell you that. That is, okay. that is part of why it's tricky to okay. answer. And they're all nouns? They are all nouns. And they are, are all sort of overlapping in definitions. Well, okay. Does the A part, is that a prefix meaning not? It is. Very good. Ah, okay. So it's not Poria. Aporia. This is not SpongeBob. You got it. Aporia, as in no pores. Like <laughs> no a sponge. No pores. Like a sponge. Um, <laughs> oh, wait. 
<laughs> Kyle, I can give you a one-word clue if you oh, would like. Oh, right. I forgot that we've incorporated that into our We have. This is a new milieu. addition to the podcast. Word me up, Emily. All right, Kyle, your one-word clue is impasse. Like Gandalf on the bridge? <laughs> sure. <laughs> he was creating a literal impasse. <laughs> impasse. <laughs> uh, okay, final guess. Ready? All right. Aporia is not having a, a solution to something. Kyle? Yeah. Literally? That's what? one of the meanings. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that is what it means. Wow. Yeah. So Aporia, it has a definition in rhetoric which is uh, a professed doubt as to how to proceed. And it also has a definition in philosophy, which is an unsolvable contradiction or a logical impasse. Wow. So it's like a thing you can't solve. So you would call something an aporia if it's unsolvable. Yes. So it's sort of uh, could be a synonym for a paradox. But one of the um, oft cited examples of this philosophical meaning is something called the Epimenides paradox. What? No, I haven't had too many. I've had Epimenides. Kyle. Boy, I'm glad you got to that point because it was feeling like a long walk. And I was like, Kyle, did you even have a joke when you started? Um, Who is there? No, Epimenides was a philosopher from the 6th century BC from the island of Crete. And he famously stated that Cretans are, quote, always liars. Oh. But he himself is a Cretan. Oh. Yeah. Is is this where we get Cretan from? <laughs> so yeah, apparently it was like, there was like a belief at the time that like, <laughs> just nobody liked people from Crete. From Crete, And like, they really? were all liars. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, awful. I mean, you know. I, so apparently it comes from, supposedly, it comes supposedly. from like, Two people were arguing over who was the most beautiful between them, and they appointed a Cretan man as the judge, and he said, okay, I think you're the more beautiful. And then the other person said, well, it can't be true, because all Cretans are liars. liars. (laughs) I mean, I guess I'm just learning now that, you know, maybe perhaps one of our former presidents studied the ways of that (laughs) arguer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so tell me more about the Ep- Epimenides, Epimenides paradox. The, I have a I have a quote here by a man named Thomas Fowler, who was an English academic in the 1800s, and he's mm-hmm. talking about this paradox. And he says, "Quote." Epimenides the Cretan says that all Cretans are liars, but Epimenides himself is a Cretan, therefore he is himself a liar. But if he is a liar, what he says is untrue, and consequently the Cretans are voracious. But Epimenides is a Cretan, and therefore what he says is true, saying the Cretans are liars. Epimenides is himself a liar, and what he says is untrue. Thus we may go on alternately proving that Epimenides and the Cretans are truthful and untruthful. I mean, I love that Thomas Fowler said, I'm going to have a conniption in this text right now. (laughs) He was like, how do I express to people what a problem this is? The only way is to just go back and forth for too long. How existential 
this difficulty is. But uh, aporia does also have uh, a rhetorical meaning, basically expressing doubt as to like how to proceed, or it can be like genuine confusion or sort of feigned. So I have a couple examples. One that I saw getting cited a lot was Elizabeth Barrett Browning's Sonnet 43, which opens with the line, how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. So that phrase, how do I love thee? That that sort of like questioning. Well, how do I how do I approach this problem? Is an example of aporia. Okay, it like uh qu- like uh, <laughs> I think my brain melted trying to understand <laughs> this. <laughs> I, D- I, tell I, me I, how again. <laughs> I mean, let's 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 talk some etymology first, Kyle. What um, on this Bahir podcast? On this, this Bahir this- podcast. <laughs> So the oldest form of this word that I could find was an ancient Greek adjective, aporos, which meant impassable. Literally, as you suggested, the A prefix means the opposite of poros meant passage. So no passage. And that involved evolved into the ancient Greek noun, aporia or aporia. The accent mark changes in all of these different forms of the word. (laughs) Greek to English is difficult, not smooth. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Greek is is also funny because I was looking up the actual Greek letters for this word and there's just Mm -hmm. a pi symbol in there because it's it's just, it's the letter (laughs) P. Yeah, that was their letter P. Yeah. It's like, wow, that is, that is just what that letter was. (laughs) This word's a whole ass equation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But uh, the ancient Greek word aporia meant difficulty of passage, like literally, but could also just mean difficulty in general, or uh, doubt or uncertainty, or puzzle. And then Latin borrowed that word from Greek, aporia, and then Mm -hmm. English borrowed that word from Latin in the late 1500s with the rhetorical definition specifically. It's interesting that we kept it as aporia and not changed it to... Appery. That I, like I did find that IAA. word as well. There were oh, some yeah? usages of appery ending in a Y instead of an IA, but aporia seemed to be the more common. Sure. The first book where it appears in English that I could find is actually a book about poetry called The Art of English Poesy, P O E S I E. I love that. Which yeah. was just an old timey word for poetry. Oh, poesy, poesy, poesy. By George Putnam. In 1589. He he was a golfer, right? Yes, George George Putnam. (laughs) Putnam. (laughs) P-U-T-T-I-N apostrophe E-M. Yeah. (laughs) Putnam. (laughs) And then he side-gigged as a critic of poetry. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. In his book, he's talking about the different kinds of uh, speakers that you see in poetry, and he introduces one called Aporia or the Doubtful. Not much unlike the Wanderer, have ye yet another figure called the Doubtful, because oftentimes we will seem to cast perils and make doubt of things when by a plain manner of speech we might affirm or deny him. Basically, what that means is a lot of times in poetry, they will start off with a question and then answer their own question throughout the poem. That's really interesting. So I see that plays directly into how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. Let me count the ways. And then in the poem, she lists, you know, all the ways that she loves thee. 
But yeah, I also saw, I was like, look, trying to find like examples of aporia. Another one I saw was Shakespeare's to be or not to be speech. Oh, sure. Like he's sure. starting off with the question to be or not to be and then yeah. sort of exploring that. He even states that. that that's the question. <laughs> that is an example of like genuine doubt. Like it's it's not, you know, a sort of feigned question to segue into a discussion like in the context of the play hamlet is genuinely not sure whether it's better to live or not sure sure yeah but it can also refer to sort of pretend confusion another example i saw was from shakespeare's the merchant of venice the jewish character shylock is you know he's expressing like confusion as to why the jews are treated differently than the christians and he says when you prick us do we not bleed like, obviously, he knows the answer to that question, but he's asking to sort of get the audience to think. Sure, yeah. I, this is something that happens a lot that I, I guess have never thought of needing a word to explain it because you can just, I, I it's so simple to be like, to give an example of a rhetorical question, you yeah. know, or a state of confusion yeah. that you don't need to like say, oh, it's it's called this. But it's yeah. nice to know that there's a term for it and... Yeah, you can use that in in its stead. I have another uh, explanation of aporia from an old book of rhetoric. Mm -hmm. This one's called "The Mystery of Rhetoric Unveiled." That is rhetoric with a ck and unveiled with an apostrophe d. <laughs> oh, of course, <laughs> <laughs> by John Smith in 1656. John Smith. Wait, is John it Smith. the same? I'm John sure that Smith? was his real name. <laughs> 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 no, I feel like there were probably a lot of John Smiths. Of the yeah, era. I'm sure. Um, and he says, quote, Aporia is a figure whereby the speaker sheweth that he doubteth either where to begin for the multitude of matters or what to do or say in some strange or ambiguous thing and doth, as it were, argue the case with himself. I guess I'm learning now that I love old timey people trying to explain doubt yes. it's so it's <laughs> so flowery and it makes it seem so um i don't know present uh uh real you know yeah. it's like oh wow someone gets me this guy gets me you know <laughs> <laughs> yes oh and and in his book he goes on to like cite examples from cicero and hmm. scripture to just make it clear, like, this is what I'm talking about. It's all over the place. <laughs> Can you use it as a as an adjective? Can you say something's aporic? Yes, there is an adjective aporetic, and it comes from the French oh, aporetique. Aporetique. And the French aporetique we get from uh, Randall Cotgrave, who oh. we've mentioned on this podcast previously. Oh. I from I'm his so French Latin dictionary. Yep. That he's officially become a recurring character. Yes. Kyle, I have one more quick little quote about Aporia in a rhetorical context. This one is just beautifully short and sweet. This one comes from A Manual of the Figures of Rhetoric by Larrett Langley, 1835. And he says, quote, Aporia oft in doubt and fear will rest, and reason with itself what may be best. That's it. <laughs> Love it. Just a is there is there more to that quote, or that's nope. the whole of what he said? That's it. It's it's literally like he's got an entry in his book for aporia, you know, like big heading in the page, yeah. and then yeah. that couplet centered below the <laughs> heading, and then like he goes on to cite examples. But like God. in terms of defining it, that's all he says. It's like an Ogden Nash poem. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little. 
Little book at bedtime definition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just enough for you to remember, but not enough for you to know. For you to understand, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so getting back to the philosophical meaning of mm-hmm. aporia, mm-hmm. here we're gonna get we're gonna get deep into it, Kyle. Oh, I love I I'm mean, gonna deconstruct your thoughts of life right now. I've, I'm at it. We're going to talk more about Avatar. I haven't seen Way of the Water uh, and don't plan on it, frankly. So so the, the philosophical meaning of aporia, meaning like a logical contradiction, it seems like it wasn't used in English until the 1800s, but it is used to talk about like Greek philosophies from way, way, way back. Sure. It's associated with a couple different schools of philosophy. From what I could tell, it is most often talked about in conjunction with something called Pyrrhonism, P-Y-R-R-H-O-N-I-S-M. And Pyrrhonism is a school of philosophy that falls under the umbrella of skepticism. And we've okay. mentioned skepticism on the podcast before, but for the sake of starting Number fresh. Of times. Yes, please, because I still don't remember. So skepticism basically centers around the belief that we can't know anything. Yes. <laughs> anything yes, yes, that we yes. deem to be proof or fact is always based on certain assumptions, which we can right. never know to be true. Our right. entire lives could be a lie and we would right. never tell. So the idea of Pyrrhonism specifically within the umbrella of skepticism, Pyrrhonism is the idea of like reaching a state of happiness by becoming content with not knowing. Oh. Yes. Uh, and the term they use for that state of being is ataraxia, which literally means no oh. disturbance or freedom from distress. I came across that word covering another word, and I Interesting. didn't look it up. So it does, ataraxia is used in a couple different schools of philosophy as well. So this is just sort of how it relates to Pyrrhonism. So it's kind of like the opposite in a way of aporia in the sense that aporia represents doubt and ataraxia represents the absence of doubt. So within the school of Pyrrhonism, one of the ways that Pyrrhonists try to reach ataraxia is through aporia. Oh God. Basically they would engage. (laughs) (laughs) Basically they would engage in arguments against very basic beliefs like through just doubting all of these basic assumptions that we make until they've broken down all the logic and reached a logical impasse. Just to prove that nothing matters. Yes. And oh then to God. like be okay with that and wow. accept that and just float, you know? <laughs> just floating on a smaragdian sea, man. You know? So yeah, anyway, Pyrrhonism, it's it's some it's some cuckoo crazy stuff but it's some uh cuckoo bananas it's some what gaga do nonsense, gaga nonsense. <laughs> but if you want to bring some healthy or maybe unhealthy skepticism to your daily life the pyrrhonists did come up with a bunch of like sayings that you can oh. repeat to yourself so that you Mantras. never forget to doubt everything around you okay love it so i've pulled out a couple of my favorites here mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. that we can just incorporate into our daily lives mm-hmm, mm-hmm. one of them is Perhaps it is possible, maybe. Oh, <laughs> that's anytime, where it ends. Anytime you're confronted with facts, just perhaps like, it's possible. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> what? I'm just asking if he's going to live. <laughs> 
Perhaps it is possible. Maybe. <laughs> we could never really say. <laughs> I, I'm asking you to say, though. <laughs> yeah, but it just, it would be a, a biased opinion, yeah. you know? Yes, that's what I'm asking for. <laughs> you know, my no. medical degree is just a series of assumptions. <laughs> We're all gonna die. Now you're getting it, man. You're getting it, man. <laughs> Another one of these sayings is, to every argument, an equal argument is opposed. Oh, God. I mean, that's like, yeah. You know what, Emily? You know what? Yes. <laughs> I feel like my philosophy, I'm always a dead devil. I'm always a dead man's <laughs> chest. <laughs> no, you are always a devil's advocate. I'm always, it's true. And like, and just by force of habit, like, yes. I'll, like somebody says something like, well, but what about the other way? And then like, when I sit and think about it, I'm like, I don't actually feel that way. But that's just comes out of my mouth. So. Yes, I do the same thing. And I feel like there are times when we've both gotten into it and Seth has <laughs> stopped wanting to do a podcast with us. <laughs> because he just watches us uh, just two AI going back and forth about their existence. <laughs> Kyle, I have one yeah. more saying that oh, I pulled out here. Mm -hmm. There's one on the list that said, I determine nothing. And then it said, this developed a French variant. This is like when somebody asks me a question at work. Yeah. That is how nothing. I respond. I determine nothing. Well, you can, yeah, you can speak to my boss. I think you'll like the French version better. The French uh -huh. version is que which means, what do I know? <laughs> que Actually, yes, I do love that better. Yeah. Que What do I know? Who am I? Yeah. And Kyle... I think now it's time we ask, what do you know? Um, this is the part of the episode where I would typically ask you to use the word aporia in a sentence, but I think what makes more sense for this oh, word wow. is for oh, me to oh. ask you to give us an example of aporia. I might be able to do you one better and use aporia in an example of aporia. Oh my God. Uh, I think the world will fold in on itself, but uh, give it a see. shot. So it has to be something that's doubting and a question so i would say the greeks make a good case for the existence of aporia but isn't the existence of aporia meaning we should question whether or not aporia even exists in the first place i suppose that sentence stands to reason <laughs> You can send me to the Pyrenees Mountains, Emily. Um, I don't one know way if that's trip. The same, I assume it is. Uh, Kyle, how do you feel about games? I'm all for them. That's good because I've got one. And by all for them, I mean in the Greek. Play sense. <laughs> o R U M. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kyle, very aptly, this game is called Friends, Greeks, Countrymen. Oh, I love it. This game is about other rhetorical devices that come from Greek, Ooh. because as it turns out, there's a lot of them. There are a lot of them, yeah. They pretty much all come from Greek. <laughs> The way this game is going to work, I'm going to give you three examples of rhetorical statements, and you will okay. have to identify what rhetorical device is being used. 
And I am also going to give you a sort of a word bank of rhetorical devices to choose from. I will um, need that. But there's going to be five words in the bank. So two <gasps> of them are red herrings. Oh, my fate. Like a pup named Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yeah, pup red herrings. Pup Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so your words are chiasmus, hippolectrion, taraxipi, anaphora, and ascinditon. I know one of these. <laughs> That's good. That's good that you know one. Uh, yeah. Uh, hopefully it's one of the answers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, Kyle, see, in our last episode, you made it very clear to me that you're not pulling punches in these mini games. So I'm not anymore either. <laughs> Did I make it really hard in the last episode? Literally, I was with you when you finished the mini game, and you said, good, it's perfect. You won't get any of these. <laughs> <laughs> it's just another life philosophy I have, Emily. <laughs> All right, Kyle, first one. Yes. First one is, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Oh. What is that an example of? I should know this because that is from Tale of Two Cities, Charles Dickens. I'm a big fan of that book, read it in middle school, and I'm sure we talked about what that was representative of. I mean, I think you should get it because you said, I know one of these. (laughs) This is the one I think you probably know. (laughs) It's not it's not what I the one that I recognize, actually. The one that looks most familiar to me outside of the one that I recognize is Ascenditon. Ascenditon. I don't think that's the answer, though. It is not. But that's what I'm going to go with. The answer is Anaphora. Shit. That is the one that I knew. (laughs) It's what I thought. I thought Anaphora... Oh, I'm thinking of a different word. Oh, anathema. 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 That's anathema. what I was thinking That's as well. That's what I'm yes. thinking of. But uh, anaphora, spelled A-N-A-P-H-O-R-A, comes from the Greek word for repetition and refers to the repetition of a word or phrase at the beginning of successive phrases. So another example would be like, we should fight them on the beaches, we should fight them on the landing ground, et cetera, et cetera. I use it a lot now that I think about it. <laughs> Probably too much. <laughs> But it helps you pad things, you know? It's effective, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right, next one. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. I'm going to go with chiasmus. (gasps) Kyle, you got it. Wow. I just (laughs) got a feeling. (laughs) That is chiasmus, C-H-I-A-S-M-U-S. It comes from the Greek letter chi or X and refers to the reversing of grammatical order into otherwise parallel phrases. Interesting. Having two phrases that are similar, but like switched. I, that's, that's fun. Oh, another example of this could be my mind on my money and my money on my mind. It's like, um, what's that when a, when a word is read the same way forward and backwards, but it's a a palindrome, (laughs) a palindrome. It's palindrome. Palindromic? Dramadary. (laughs) Yeah, you got it. (laughs) Okay, Kyle, last one. Last one, last one. I came, I saw, I conquered. Oh, I mean, that's a tarot. Tarot zippy if I ever heard taraxipi, one. it is a not. Taraxipi. That one is ascinditon. A-S-Y-N-D-E-T-O-N. Comes from the Greek word for unconnected and refers to the removal of conjunctions from a sentence. Oh. So he I came, say, then I saw. Right. He just says, I came, I saw, I conquered. It's also, if it was in the actual original, what, Latin, Greek, it would also be. Ascenditon, because it's just Vene Vidi Vici. Yeah, well, I was going to say 
I guess, uh, what's it? Clark Kent. Uh, alliterative. <laughs> alliterative. I forgot the <laughs> word already. And what you went for was Clark Kent. <laughs> it's also, I think you'll find, Clark Kent. Uh, Ipso facto. <laughs> Therefore, it's a superhero alias. <laughs> I'm sure there is a superhero alias for Vinny Vidi Vici. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but Kyle, the other two words on that list are creatures in Greek mythology. A teraxipi ah. is a ghost or presence thought to frighten horses. And a hippolectrion is a half horse, half rooster. Half rooster. Yeah. What? Did you know that? Um, I knew the rooster part. Actually, Hilarious. and I knew that I knew the horse part too because I know a hippocampus so <laughs> and a, is a half horse, half fish. I guess. Yes, it is, which I didn't know, and I was like, "Why is the part of our brain named after that?" <laughs> yeah, I don't know that. I definitely don't know, Emily. What a rhetorical question you've posed to us today. <laughs> with I the put you all in a state of, of aporia. Uh, yes, I am. Uh, what did you say? Aporetic. Aporetic. Yes, I am aporetic, and I, I think I will follow with an aporetic philosophy, for at least for the next few weeks while it's on my mind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Kyle, what else should people keep on their minds? People should also, while they're at home, they should not doubt the importance of remembering to find Butter No Parsnips on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram at Butter No Parsnips Podcast. And if they like today's episode, they shouldn't doubt considering giving <laughs> us a five-star rating or review wherever they may have heard us. And if you really like today's episode, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Butter No Parsnips. Donating $5 or more earns you a shout out either on social media or here on the podcast so big thanks to heather b monica of tot music Lori m pensive primate day d rob r and jesse m thank you so much to all of you who help us make what we make oh stellar Shit. kyle perfect God reading damn. <laughs> no you got it it made grammatical sense I do. and with that you don't get a reread i've been emily moyers <laughs> and i've been kyle imperator and this has been butter no parsnips there we go should we pose it as a question? And this has been Butter No Parsnips? <laughs>Thank you for listening to Butter No Parsnips. Butter No Parsnips is produced by Seth Glicksman, Emily Moyers, and Kyle Imperator. The theme music and additional music is by Kyle Imperator. If you liked listening to this episode, subscribe and give us a good rating and or positive review wherever you heard it. If you really liked listening, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash butternoparsnips. There you can get bonus content you can't get anywhere else, like the monthly Patreon-exclusive podcast Buttered Parsnips. Your support means the world to us and encourages us to keep making more. Thanks in advance, and we'll be back next week.